Last Rock, eighth end, up by two. I don't think I'm. I don't think I'm white. I don't think you are either. Oh, oh. it's clean. Oh, don't oh. kill it, Ben. Don't kill it. Don't kill Line's it. really good. Line's good. Right on the button, guys. Right Last here. stone for Kevin Martin. They want it on the button. The sweepers are watching it. Fans are on their feet. Kevin Martin goes out as a champion. Cuts him to one. He will win his final Grand Slam, taking the Players' Championship. Talk about putting an exclamation mark at the end of a career. All he had to do was cut him down. Kevin Martin can celebrate. He is a champion. Hi again, everybody. Jungle Jim Jerome coming at you with a special edition of Inside Curling. This is our second episode of these special editions where Kevin sat down with four curlers. Uh, last uh, time, we brought you an interview with Tabitha Peterson. And today, we're going to follow up with an interview, Kevin, that you did with Eve Muirhead. Uh, and then we're going to use Warren's expression now, Kevin, if they went bing, bing, bong. Okay, whether... <laughs> Jim, you're going to go big, big, bong. I know. I'm going to. I'm going to end up big, big, bong. Kevin, you were talking about. It. I said, "How'd they do in the players?" And you said they went bing, bing, bong, clunk. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot to all our sponsors. We want to give a special recognition to these guys who've been with us a long time now on Inside Curling. That's Sports Interaction, Coyote Tractor, Goldline Curling Equipment, Nestle Boost, and Meridian. Like I said, it was an interview, Kev, that you did with uh, Eve Muirhead. My favorite line, I think, was, it's lambing season. My brother's doing lambing. Okay. <laughs> I'm a big city guy, Warren. I don't understand any of that. Uh, but it was great, Kev, when you sat down with her. Enjoy this interview. Well, thank you, Eve, for taking the time. Appreciate it. Uh, obviously, the first thing, congratulations on the gold medal. Um I guess the first thing I want to ask is just the feelings on the podium. It was, um, yeah, it, it's feelings that, that you never know what to expect. And I guess, Kevin, you know all about it. Um, but, you know, I think it was more of a, a relief as well um, for my fourth Olympics. It, it's been tough every single time. And it's been something as a young child that I've always dreamed of. So so to do it for the fourth time um, alongside um, those three girls was something extra special. I want to take you back to the semifinal. Uh, first end and mm. you give up four so I guess what was going through your mind at that exact time well we we really don't have to speak about the semi-final <laughs> um, but yeah to, to give up a four in the first end um, is never ideal is it and um, to come back from that a very slim chance let's just say that especially against um, a strong team Hasselberg so um, we knew if we could just kind of maybe get our two and we got we got a bonus we managed to get a three in that second end and, and once we got that I, I said to the girls I was like we've, we've definitely got a chance of winning this still so we just kept grinding because as you know Olympic Games like anything can happen and um, yeah we played our we played the last nine ends very very well um, and managed to win the game I think 12-11 or something <laughs> 12-11 it's exactly what the score was you know what but but watching 
um, you took control. You, you, you totally took control of that in the last nine ends. But it wasn't just that nine ends. It went on to the next game. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, the final was a, a very well-controlled game and um, I was pretty confident going into the final for some reason. And it's, it's funny when you when you sometimes just have that feeling going into games when when you know that um, there's just something so big up for grabs and um, we just stayed very focused and we didn't celebrate the semi-final win very much because we knew that we had another one to go. Yeah, we managed to all, all keep pretty calm and um, yeah, we, we went into the final and played a great game. It's always tough against those Japanese girls because they beat Switzerland in the semi-final and um, that was probably unexpected. Um, Switzerland topping that round robin, but um, yeah, um, they deserved that spot and yeah, we, we played great in that final. Yeah, you get to be on the podium and you're Olympic champions. Uh, but then you get home. <laughs> <laughs> then you get home. Can you kind of tell us a, about a bit, a bit about um, what it was like to come home as an Olympic champ? It's it's been a complete whirlwind. Um, I think I had about eight hours sleep in four or five nights, and um, I think it was more the adrenaline that I definitely did hit a hit a slump because oh I was ill for for several days. Um, but I think that was just my body telling me you need to stop. <laughs> but we did a lot of great things as a team. Um, Hello magazine shoots, um, a lot of photo, other photo opportunities, a lot of um, speaking gigs. Um, got invited to a lot of great great games. Um, whenever you get whenever you're out about, you get wrecking all the time which is which is nice but do you know what it's it's a busy summer coming up um, we've got a lot of, of lot of fun things but I guess that's what comes with being the Olympic champion isn't it so got to enjoy every minute yeah so what what, what do you got going this summer like when it comes to um, growing our wonderful sport yeah, that that's one of my my main goals is to to grow curling, and that's what I really want to do. And um, I think the biggest opportunity for me to do that is um, success. And um, right now we've got that, so we need to capitalize on it. Um, and I think this summer there's a lot of nice events. There's there's lots going on at the Open Championships at St Andrews, um, other other golfing events, which is which is very good. Myself, I've got quite a lot of um, speaking engagements and things like that. And um, yeah, there's stuff cropping up all the time. And um, I've got to learn to say no. Let's just say that <laughs> good luck with that I, I didn't learn that very no. well uh, but I do have to say that I came down one morning and uh, you're talking about hello magazine and and my wife is major into all of that kind of stuff I do not know what hello magazine is but she does she came down she's so excited for you guys because uh, that's a big big deal in in not just in curling but in just in sport and growing sport and and having kids getting engaged with mm. our sport. The the Hello magazine shoot was um was something really special. I think it was two days after we got home. So trying to stay awake was tough, but you know what? It was so fun working with like the the real professional photographers and you're getting dressed up into glamour into heels and dresses and you're obviously showing off the gold medal and things. And in Scotland we were actually on that the front cover of that edition. Um and then Britain and the rest of the world we we also had a, a spot on the front cover and I think it was about a four page four pages inside. So that that's that's pretty big and and um, that was exciting to show that there is a different side of us as well, um, not just tracksuits and hoodies and trainers all the time. So, you, so you're done with with not done. You got some of the uh, speaking engagement stuff, but then there's more curling to be done. 
Yeah, we, we got home and um, I think the week later we actually had the Scottish Mixed Doubles Championships. Um, me and Bobby Lammy um, managed to win that. So we're off to off to Geneva next week for the World Mixed Doubles Championships. Um, so yeah, it doesn't stop, um, but it's, um, it's part of it, isn't it? Um, so that's exciting. It's one event I've never, ever played. Um, it is one medal that I'm missing and I don't have. So of course we're going to go there and give it a good shot. But again, there's there's so many great players there. You've got the, the Ranner brother and sister there's Jocelyn and Brett um, the Hamiltons from America like it's it's going to be hard but it's going to be fun as well so you've got the players championship here in Toronto and then Geneva do you, any idea how many games like the, the men's and women's worlds are like 15 games to win it any idea what the number of games at the at mixed doubles worlds I think it's definitely it's definitely double figures. I know that. Um, I haven't focused too much on that just yet with the drawn things. I'm I'm kind of focusing on one competition at a time right now. And yeah, we'll get the players' championships out of the way and fly home for a day and then off to Geneva. So as soon as I get on that flight home, that's when when I guess the brain will start going into mixed double mode, which is yeah, it's quite different, isn't it? So you've been going crazy. So yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, so busy. Uh, let's look at the next four years. I guess with uh, British curling with Scottish curling. Do you choose if the team stays the same for the next four years? How does that work? I'm not 100% sure how British Carling are, are going to do the next cycle, how they're going to work it, whether it's selection, whether teams select themselves, which I think will be very unlikely. Myself, I, I still not 100% sure what, what I want to do going forward in terms of um, commitment to curling, to other engagements. Um, like I, I, find, I will find it very tough to step away from curling. I love the sport so much. Um, so yeah, so going forward, I guess I need to enjoy the summer first. I think just focus on these competitions and then kind of we'll reassess that. I don't know whether British Curling will do the squad system again, whether they'll they'll keep teams the same. Like I, I honestly don't know, but I'm sure all that will, will come to the front very soon. Well, you you come from a family of curlers. I was just looking up uh, that I curled against your dad in the 1992 Olympics. He was in Elberville throwing second for Hammy McMillan back in the day. So we played against each other. And that's the first time I met him. And then now you've got two brothers that also play a lot. So when did you get started in the game? I got started when I was about, I think I was about nine years old. Um, I think I remember dad coming home from Canada from a comp and he had um, a little brush. And you know what it's like when you're a little kid, you just go on and you, you're on your bum half the time, but you're kind of skating up and down. So it was lots of fun then. But watching dad compete when I was younger, it gives you the, the bug, doesn't it? And it makes you want to do that. And of course, having two brothers, you want to do better than them. I guess I've got the bragging rights now. But um, yeah, like it's great to be with a family of curlers. Um, my brothers now focus on the farm at home. They're they're busy just now. It's lambing season. So um, yeah, like it's great. And whenever we get the chance in, in club leagues and things, we'll, we'll curl together, which usually ends in argument. But um, I usually just stayed on the front end and, and keep quiet. <laughs> I don't think so, actually. I actually do. You, do. do you actually? I just leave Glenn and Dad up the top end, and yeah, <laughs> me and Thomas, we just stay down and keep keep quiet. Uh, I want to talk to you about um, about scheduling uh, of curling because it's becoming very very busy. You know, your, your hips are not perfect anymore, so it's a matter of I guess for the young curlers coming up, how how do they plan? Because you're not a very old person yet. I guess how do they plan their schedule and how to to do it so they don't hurt themselves going forward. Because for me, when I was a kid, I practiced all the time. I just, I wanted to get so good so quick, but I threw tens and hundreds of thousands of rocks. And of course, your body can't do it. So there's got to be some sort of a plan. I guess, well, I'd love to hear your thoughts on all of that. 
Yeah, I, I'm exactly the same as you, Kevin. When I was younger, um, I used to go onto the ice and throw hundreds and hundreds of, of stones. And I look back and I wonder why I've got a, a hip in the state it is because, yeah, I, I threw so many stones as often as I could. I was just, I was obsessed with the sport and I loved every single minute of it. And I'm, I'm the kind of person and I'm that competitive that I just keep going until I, I am the best. I never give up. Um, but as you say, like I think, um, yeah, bodies don't hold up forever, do they? And we're not getting any younger. I do think, in a way, it's changed slightly. I know, and definitely in Scotland, you don't see as many younger people in throwing stones after stones. But when I was younger, that that tended to be what happened. So I don't know whether it's there's maybe not as many young people getting involved in the sport, which which we need to try and change that. But I think scheduling going forward is something that that definitely needs to to be kind of taken into account when it when it comes to your body and how much you can you can take as a person. Right. So I want to step a little bit further on that because, uh, for example. You play in Toronto, then Geneva, and potentially you could have played in Olds. That's a very far away from each other. A lot of people are doing exactly that. Um, somehow, I'd, I'd, I'd like to hear your thoughts on, on the schedule starting whenever it starts, be it August or September, whatever, and being able to play maybe in kind of groups of events in the same continent. And then maybe some sort of a schedule that uh, appreciates that now curling is all over the world. And, and the strong teams are not all from one place. Yeah. I struggle a lot with the, the travel, I must admit. That's one thing that, that my body doesn't love too much, especially my hip. Um, I think it's the pressure when you're flying, um, the leg room, just little things like that really affect my hip. Everyone thinks traveling's, of course, glamorous, like you're traveling and you're seeing the world. But believe you me, you see the, the airplane, the, the hotel and the arena, don't you? But yeah, no, I, I know what you mean, how it is becoming a lot a lot longer. Um, it's becoming a lot more spread out around the world in terms of going to, well, we were in the Olympics in Beijing and then going to Geneva. I'm in Toronto, the Japanese, it's taken off there. It's, yeah, it's becoming worldwide, isn't it? So I guess that is something that needs to be taken into account going forward because, yeah, you can't just be expected to jump here, there and everywhere and, and, and get with those time zones and perform and, and show off your sport and be the best curlers because you've got to prep for that. Um, but I do think um, right now the, the, most, the more big events we can get, the better for the sport. Likes of these Grand Slams. Like, God, I, when I was younger, when I wasn't in the Slams, I'd give a right hand to be here. I'd have travelled across even further in Toronto to get here to play. Um, but I do think going forward um, with, with people coming from so many different parts of the world, it'll be great to try and bundle them together, as you say. Well, and then you've always got the, uh, well, you're playing the mixed doubles next week in Geneva. So you've got two disciplines now that can win you gold medals. So uh, it can't really be ignored, but that adds so much. So the organization of, of, uh, of two disciplines. It, it does take a lot to organize the two disciplines. And um, I don't know whether down the line it might be a case of having to choose one or the other. Um, whether you focus on, on team event, whether you focus on mixed double event. Like I, I don't know because trying to juggle the two I know could be could be tough. Um, and, and maybe you, you might not perform best in, in either of them if you're playing both of them other than just focusing on one. Like, I don't know. There, there's so many questions out there, isn't there? Um, but I guess these are all things and, and food for thought going forward. But I think, um, yeah, I think, first of all, we, we need to take care of ourselves. Um, I think that's definitely most important. Do you think there's a, an, uh, an opportunity to maybe expand the roster? It's always been a four-person game. 
because we didn't play that much back, mm. back in, in yeah. my day. We played quite a lot, but not like you guys well, do like now. Well, it, it's funny because like um, my dad's exactly the same in terms of, oh, you're practicing again. Oh, God, you're going here. Oh, you're on twice a day. Oh, you're off to the gym. And you don't need to do that. You don't need to do that. And that's when, when his warm-up was like a, a cigarette and a cup of coffee. And it's just funny how... how it wouldn't th- have been a coffee. It wouldn't have been <laughs> a coffee. Or not a coffee. <laughs> um, it's just funny how, how the game is moving on. Um, but I think you can see it. Like um, I always feel if if we don't do that little bit more than everyone else like you're just caught up so easily now especially with all the the young um the young athletes coming through from all the different countries yeah is there any any chance um a five-person team will become part of the norm um to have that extra player for because Mm. to your dad's point you're you're going here you're going there you're going here but maybe maybe you can cut down by 20 percent it's it's a it's a very good point. I think um, I think a lot of countries are maybe going that way, aren't they already? Um, and yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether more adapt that um, going forward. To me, the part of the game that takes the most out of me is the is the practice, is the training, competition wise. What you're only throwing sixteen stones when you're when you're on the ice, really, aren't you? But when you practice, you're throwing sixty four. So um, it 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 depends. You've got to kind of juggle it juggle it together. But I do think that the five man team is becoming a lot more common. Um, but you know what it's like. You never want to be that that fifth person who's sitting off. But it's um, yeah, it's it's making the best that that works for the team. Well, I never wanted to share the other person in with all the money. Well, <laughs> <laughs> That's just me. But uh, the tick shot. The, the, the no tick zone that's been trialed by the World Curling Federation at the Women's Worlds and at the Men's. Um, did you? Have, I'm not sure you had a chance to watch um, a lot of it, but uh, your thoughts on it and the effects that it had. I um, I do love the the no tick rule. I think there's a there's a couple of things that that maybe need to be looked into in terms of. I know they're doing it this week that that as a player you can choose. Um, whether you replace it or not because if you think if, if the stone's in the centre line and your opposition tap it to the button like God you don't want to replace it to the centre line do you? Do you know what I mean? So I think that's little things like that is um, is great to, to look at and I, I do love it um, I think next in my opinion what needs to be looked at is um, 8 or 10 ends like to me with the schedules getting a lot, a lot bigger, um, a lot longer, the seasons becoming longer. I, I do think t- um, ten ends is too much now. I really do. I think, um, I think all curling should be cut to eight ends. Maybe for even more than reasons than that, um, the ice, the ice makers. Absolutely, we're, we're, we allow an, is it nine nine minutes? minute practice, <laughs> like it's, yeah, two nine minute practice, ten ends could be extra end eleven ends, and and sometimes and we're mad if the ice goes flat, and we're as you say, like you, you come off and yeah, you're mad if you if you come up short in that last win and drop because the ice is going flat. Um, so yeah, like I, I think um, the way the game's moving on and with the ice being so perfect nowadays, um, I just think it, it's it's sad to to kind of wreck it in the way of allowing it to get allowing it to get that way. And um, I don't know whether it's just because I'm getting older, but God, you're out there for like three hours, and sometimes yeah, it, it gets it gets a little much. But I think the way the Grand Slams do it here, like your your seven minute practice, two up, two down, eight ends, extra end if need be. I just I love that. The length of the events. You know, it's funny we're, we're, we talk about length of game, length of like mm. with millennials and with Gen Zers, they, they don't like things that are long. It doesn't yeah. appear to me. So 
Um, how do we? How do we condense it? How are we going to do that, Eve? Oh, hmm. um, well, all of a sudden, I, you're the you're the you're the person to ask now. Like, like the length of events is is, is becoming long. Like, you go to Worlds, you go to Europeans, Grand Slams. Like, you're here for over a week, aren't you? Um, I guess here at Slams, the the one game days does um, draw the event out, but it's it's fantastic for for the crowd and it's great for people to have that that many games to watch when it comes to major events you look at the olympic games like it's it's such a long a long couple of weeks as you know and and how you change that i don't know i think it has to be either um shorter games to allow more games per day or cut down the amount of teams that are in the field yeah, I was kind of meaning uh, more of on a, a month-to-month basis and just looking at, like, say, from Scotland. And you finish an event in, oh, I don't know, Asia. You're playing somewhere in Japan because there's so many events there now. So you finish on Sunday afternoon in Japan. How in the heck are you going to be able to get to your Tuesday night game in Mississauga? Uh, yeah, like... Uh, no, but it's important, right? Because yeah. you've got your sponsors and you, and you want to compete and, and get points towards all these various things you <laughs> want to be part of. But... Your marketing time is the finals are always on Sunday. Oh, I like yeah. I, I guess that's when it comes to to scheduling and prioritizing what events you really need to play in. But as you say, for sponsors, you want to play in all the big events, and if that's a back to back big event, then like you're going to make sure and do that. But you're going to turn up from Japan to wherever knackered, aren't you? And you're <laughs> you're probably not going to be able to curl. So, um, yeah, it's a it's a good question, um, and especially with the competition calendar becoming so condensed, becoming so long, um, you just you don't want to miss any of the events, do do you? Um, but you don't want burnout either. So it's a kind of chicken and egg. It's it's um, yeah, it's 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 interesting how teams juggle and what events they pick to play. I guess it's probably good that we're talking about it because 15 years ago, we didn't have mm, to talk about it. There, was, there wasn't enough things. Yeah. Um, I would like to get your thoughts on um, a World Cup, not not like what the World Cup was a couple of years ago, but a true, kind of a true World Cup in my mind. Um, once again, you got to get into my mind here and that's kind of a weird place to be. So you've got the Grand Slams that are the best of the best. You can't get in unless you're best of the yep. best. But it could be 10 of the 16 from one country. Yeah. So that's not really worldwide. That's yeah. right. Whereas the world championships, you have four or five yeah. in the field that could win. Yeah. The rest can't win. Yeah. They're just getting trying to get better, yeah. which is great. Yeah. But there's got to be somewhere in the road, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on a on a World Cup where maybe uh, in say Scottish men, uh, th- there could be three teams yeah. in it. Um, South Korea women, three teams in yeah. it. Yeah. Canadian, three teams in it. Yeah. But maybe you can't have more than three. Yeah, well, I, th- I think, yeah, I think the idea of a, a World Cup is something really exciting, and I think it, it is definitely something that's been thought about. And I always think about that actually when I'm when I'm playing the likes of a, a World Championships. When you're playing a team likes of Switzerland, Sweden, um, like there could be more than one team that's come out of that that country. Um, it's the same from from Scotland men, as you say. There's Moe, there's White, there's Patterson. Like three of those teams are capable of winning. And um, it's sad to see countries taking up spots that that are still developing, if that makes sense. So um, 
I think it's definitely something that would would, would be great. I, as you say, I think the Grand Slams is something that that's almost there, um, because this is the this is the best of the best here, isn't it? At the at the Slams, and um, I think if you're to put down a number like two or three from from each nation that that were allowed in, I think that would be great. And um, you look at likes of Canada, you look at the Olympic Trials, the the Briar, the Tournament of Hearts. Any of those teams could go on and win the World Championships, and um, yeah, it is sometimes it's sad to see there's only one represent representative from each from each country when when there is still people there capable of winning. Okay, one last thing before I let you go. Coming to events, the playoff systems, there's all kinds of them. Yeah. When you go to an event, uh, I guess is that your thoughts on if that's a negative or, or a positive? Could they be regulated or mm. should they be? I don't really mind the system. It's something that whatever the event has, you 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 know that, so you kind of get on with it if that makes sense. Of course, Slam now is um, triple knockout. I do love a triple knockout because you like you know you've got three lives. That's it. Um, if you're playing in more of a round robin or or a kind of playoff system, then you know that it could come down to draw shot, which I find difficult sometimes to kind of stay in or go out and on your draw shot. But triple knockout, you you just know where you stand, don't you? So um, I probably favour triple knockout, but in all honesty, it's not something I've thought about too much and um, it's not something that that I really have a strong opinion on. Yeah, well, thank you very much. Appreciate that because we're going to probably play that uh, on the broadcast because that's a great answer to the triple knockout versus the round robin because we've been asked about that because we're running the players with a triple and a lot of the slams are thinking of, of... going with triple yeah, like I just I just love triple because you know where you stand basically yeah you've got to you've got to win your three games or or sorry sometimes it can be more than three games but you have three lives lose all three you're you're on the plane home unfortunately <laughs> but every game matters they do matter a lot yeah, yeah. thank you very much Eve. thank you Uh, there we go. Uh, that was great, Kevin. Of course, uh, this was before the World Mixed Doubles. Uh, Eve Muirhead's had a pretty good year, Warren. Olympic gold and the World World Championship Mixed Doubles. Yeah, without question. Uh, interesting. She played in the World Mixed Doubles for the first time and won the gold medal. So you can't get better than that. And of course, in the Olympics, it was your fourth try, but also the gold medal there. So two gold medals at the world level in any year has got to be considered pretty good. Yeah. Kevin, Vicky Wright retired. Um, I think I remember you saying she was hands down the MVP. Well, that's my opinion. Like, uh-huh. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't think they give out an MVP. So I'm, right. I'm definitely speaking just to what I think. And uh, she, she was incredible, like incredible. So that's a real hit to that team to have uh, somebody play better than everybody else at the Olympics. She was just outstanding and, and they won the gold medal. And uh, But retiring, that that's a big hit to the team. Right. Kev, you've interviewed, this is our second in a series of interviews that you did. Uh, the first, of course, was our last time, um, was Tabitha uh, Peterson from the States. Um, we get to talk to Eve Muirhead, and you also spoke to Bruce Mowat, uh, which was an excellent interview coming up next time, and Jennifer Jones. And you asked all of these people, Kev, about the length of events and the playoff format. Uh, one, one thing from all of them, Kevin, is... A lot of them going, yeah, the problem is when we go to an event, we're not sure what the playoff format's going to be. Uh, <laughs> there, there's there's a bunch of them, but all of them, Kev, fair to say, would like like it more consistent? 
Well, yes, I think consistency matters. Um, I think it's okay to have some 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 changes. Bruce, uh, well, Mao definitely said that he he enjoys some changes in and not have all the playoffs exactly the same. But um, but there were some some thoughts uh, from from everybody, um, including Eve, about scheduling of events. And this is where a players group, a players association, needs to be involved at the world level, at the Grand Slam level, at the national. Um, be it U.S. or Scotland or Canada, Canadian uh, curling Canada's level, and so that the scheduling works out a little bit better, and you don't live in aircrafts as much. And when you go to a region of the world, you might stay there for a couple, three weeks, and then carry on to another region. Um, a lot like the PGA Golf, you know, have managed to do over the last few years. And to play an event in Japan, Japan's growing so so fast curling there, and then fly from Japan to somewhere in Canada. And then maybe in Eastern Canada, and then the next event's in Western Canada, and then the next event is over in Europe somewhere. <laughs> That's a lot of travel, Jim. Like, it's just, it's so many air miles. Whereas if you could schedule uh, events a little bit better, then the, the athletes wouldn't have to fly through quite so many time zones continually. It's really hard on the body. And, you know, and Eve talked about that. It's just uh, sitting in the aircraft for so many hours again and again and again and again, year after year. So it, it becomes difficult on, on the body and on the mind as well. So these are kind of some, some things that we should worry about when it comes to our very best athletes like Eve Muirhead. Yeah. Warren, what, what, what's, how do you see the future going with this? I mean, European curling now is, is at a world-class level. So is Asian curling teams are, are right up there. Then you got America, you got Canada. You know, to Kevin's point, you know, you, you may have to travel 5,000 kilometers, man, to get to these events. There's a bunch of them. What do you see happening down the road, Warren? Because that that for sure is is an overwhelming amount of travel to move around to these events. Well, I don't probably see a lot changing until people start talking about it, and they probably need to set up a annual scheduling meeting that involves all parties, starting with the World Curling Federation, probably Curling Canada, USA Curling, TSN, Sportsnet, all the people that are involved in this whole thing, probably someone from the Asia area, so they sit down and they start going through exactly what's going to be taking place in a given year and uh, how they're going to schedule all. And I think as Kevin noted as well, a really key element of this is the players. And this is a number one reason why these players have to get themselves organized. So they're sitting at that table because they're the ones that are impacted by how all this scheduling takes place. So it's just going to get bigger and bigger if it's not addressed. And you need to start sort of what I might add, clumping things. So if you're going to have two or three events in uh, in one country or one continent that you try and schedule them kind of back-to-back -back so the players don't have to, I guess Kevin says, move from one part of the world to the other and then back again. So it's a huge challenge, and I think it needs to be taken on sooner rather than later. Well, yeah, one of our first shows, uh, Kevin and Warren, when we started doing this, what, the talks right away, I, it might have been Ben Hebert that we had on and Everyone, Kevin, every time we have a, a curler on a high performance curler, which is all we have on, they've all said, we got to get a seat at the table. We got to get, that was a long time ago. They started talking about, and then today we hear it again. Uh, are, do you have any inside info, Kev, about the players grouping together to sort of form a quote unquote union or something? Any, are they getting any closer to doing that? They, they certainly are. And it's, it's funny, Jimmy, you should ask that. So as we tape this show, I have a meeting with, uh, with a group in a couple of days. So I'll, I'll know more in a couple of days. But um, yes, there's a lot of work being done trying to get this organized by the end of this summer. 
to be able to go forward and organize a seat at all these various tables. It's very important. But I think even all the powers that be at the various levels, be it Curling Canada, USA Curling, World Curling Federation, in uh, the European associations, etc. I think they all agree that the players need to get organized. It's just, that's really up to the players. It's nobody else's job. Um, and But that is happening right now. And uh, it's coming along. Do I know exactly where it's at this minute? No, but I will within a couple of days. Any name, Kevin, of who's grabbing the ball and running with this? I know a lot. Brad Gushu's name's floated around a lot. Yes, I don't. I don't know if Brad will take the leadership role, but he is certainly. Um, you know, there's a few. There's a few people that really need to be involved. Uh, Ryan Hartley um, has been quite involved, and uh, mm-hmm. Ben Hebert quite involved. Pete Stetsky quite involved. So. So these are some really smart and uh, individuals who care deeply about our sport. So that's great. Right on. Perfect. Well, we'll watch for that. Uh, Good stuff. Thank you to Eve. Thank you, Kevin, for lining that up. And thank you to our sponsors, Sports Interaction, Coyote Tractor, Lowline Curling Equipment, Nestle Boost, and Meridian for bringing you this special edition of Inside Curling. Talk to you next time, boys. Take it easy, Warren. Thanks, Jim. Kevin, go golfing. (laughs) (laughs) 